Under the surface of Mata Nui, an ominous awakening. A new threat to the entire island. Controlled by a leech like Krana, it is the Borok. Its Krana alone is a great danger to the Toa. The Borok come in swarms, they strike fast. Beware, if you wake one, you wake them all. Bionicle. Six Borok breeds, each set souls separately. Hello, hello, hello. This is Chris and Eric's Songbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. Uh, It is an even number episode, which means it is your pick. So want to tell all the people at home what we're going to be talking about, as if they didn't already see the episode title when they downloaded it. Or hear the commercial. Uh, We're doing Bionicle uh, again, issues four through eight of the original series um, from 2002 now. They are all labeled as the Borok Saga, part one through six, and if you didn't hear me, I said four through eight, which is five issues. That is because the sixth issue has nothing to do with the plot of these issues, and is just set up for the next arc, so we're just gonna do it whenever we come back to Bionicle again after this, because I think that just makes more sense. Yeah, like this is its own thing, it would be almost kind of irrelevant feeling to tack that last one on honestly yeah like and the thing is there's a very definitive like story end at the end of these five issues and then there's just a sixth issue that's yeah weird layout aside it it is bionicle of course the last issue of the storyline is just an ad for the next storyline yeah Um, I suppose before we dive fully into these, we'll go ahead and just do our obligatory creator roll call. Um, It's pretty much the same as last time. We have Greg Farshti as the writer. Uh, Greg Farshti is basically the Bionicle Man of all Bionicle Men. We have Carlos Deanda as the penciler. Inker Randy Elliott. Uh, Peter Pantazes is the colorist and separator. And an improvement... Over last episode, when we covered the first free issues, DC actually realized, you know what? We should credit our fucking letterer. So I'm happy to say that I can tell you it was Ken Lopez who lettered these issues. If Ken lettered the earlier issues, um, thanks Ken, they were good. Sorry DC didn't credit you. Yeah, sorry to, sorry to this man, or whichever other man it might have also been, because there was no credit. Oh, actually, actually, though, except for that one line that was given to the wrong character, you fucked up, Ken. Oh, no. <laughs> I forgot about that, but that's right, we actually, we re- one of the reasons we thought about it was because there was an issue with the lettering. Okay, um, so, in typical Bionicle comic fashion, as I am swiftly discovering as I read ahead in these things... A whole lot of stuff has just happened off-screen in another, like, storytelling medium. In this case, um, either the Legend of Matanui, the, the Matanui Online game, I think is what it was called. Scratch the Legend of, maybe. And or the first of, like, the little, like, chapter books. Um, so the Toa have off-screen acquired all of the masks that they need. So now they have special gold masks that give them all of the mask powers. And they have defeated Makuta, 
and like they've just come out from the temple place where they defeat Makuta, and this is the beginning of the new arc. So this is picking up like two seconds after the story that happens, after the story we talked about last time we covered Bionicle, but that story isn't told in a comic, so sorry you don't get any of it. For Bionicle lore, they like show up in the temple where Makuta is, and Makuta like says some shifty things to them, they fight his crabs, they turn into like giant fused together versions of three of them, they fight the crabs, they defeat the crabs, they fight Makuta as like the six of them and they unite their powers to defeat Makuta. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like my impression from these comics, if they're representative of the franchise as a whole, is that the stories are essentially just gonna be they fight some stuff, maybe they get a power-up, you probably didn't actually miss anything other than them fighting some stuff. Later in the franchise, things get a bit more varied, but the initial Madden Nui arc, which is like the first three years, um, and the first like four storylines, each story is the Toa have to fight a thing, and they don't want to be united as a team, because most of the Toa are assholes, they learn the, the importance of unity and being combined together in massive sets that you need to buy more sets to make. And they unite their powers and they defeat the thing. And then you come back next time and they've decided they're done uniting. Yes. Until they do so again a couple issues later when it's time for the next toy line. The last storyline on Matanui, which we will eventually get to, which is the one that the first of the movies is based on, is like... A different thing, there's a prophecy to Seventh Toa, and a quest to, like, find the person who's supposed to wear the magical mask that makes the Seventh Toa, and, like, that Toa has to go, and, like, that's, it's, but this one is the same as the last one, but, hey, now you get to actually see this one. This, I'd argue, is a complete plot, unlike last time. Yeah, that's, I suppose, something I would give these issues in their favor, is they do feel a bit more complete than the first three which were even more rushed than this uh, speaking of which they have come out from the temple where they've just defeated makuta and there's a lot of like crashing and fooming crack foom and crash but with lots of k's in there because it's cool and the toa are confused because we just quote what is happening i thought we had finished our quest um and then one of the Matoran, which they are called Matoran at this point. We are we are post Maori legal issues, so we're officially out of the bit of the really uncomfortable cultural appropriation aspects, um, and we're into just like standard. It's probably fine cultural appropriation. That's a lot faster than I expected it to be in the franchise timeline, honestly. Apparently the activists were actually very pleased with Bionicle's response once the issue was, like, raised. Well, Lego's response, in that, like, they immediately made changes. Um, characters had a name day where their names got changed in the story, which later got retconned so their names had always been different anyway, like, because they did a prequel, and they weren't gonna go back to using any of the old names. Yeah, I guess I'm just surprised that this all resolved itself so early. I was, like, expecting it to be, like, a couple years or something of just, like, how long-lived the franchise was. Uh, nope, this, it went away pretty quickly. The, all of the Toa names stayed the same, and they are all, like, words from the Maori language, if I remember correctly. 
but like they're not offensive words to use. Like Tahu is fire. I was about to say, are they literally just the element names? Pretty much, from what I can remember. <laughs> um, but this Tarmatoran comes out of the bushes, and he is repeating Borok in like a tiny little voice over and over again. The impression is that he has been terrified to the point of complete insanity by whatever Borok are. Um, and Tahu's like, oh, uh, I better go go back to Tarkoro, which is... Tahu is from Tarkoro, Gali is from Garkoro. You get the the naming pattern, but um, Tahu's the fire toa, and this is the t- fireplace, so it's the side of a volcano, essentially. Like a village on the side of a volcano. It's where he lives. Uh, but all the Toa say that they're gonna go, because right now they're all getting along, um, and any threat to... One village is a threat to all of them. They speed back, questioning, what's a Borok? And then, like, oh, I just found out, as there are a bunch of... How would you describe these? Because I know, like, what I think of when I look at them, but as someone who was not familiar with the franchise and hadn't, like, had one as a kid, which I did, what do you what do you think a Borok looks like? I'm honestly still not sure. <laughs> because my impression from what I'd heard going in was that they were supposed to be, like, more insectoid and bug-like. And they're certainly, like, less bipedal than the main characters. But, I don't know, like, if there were specific insects being drawn upon, I can't immediately distinguish which they were. Which is kind of my main aesthetic con of the design, is just, like, I don't know, like, I wish it felt more distinct as is it just kind of feels fairly generic they tend to like swarm also reinforces the whole insect thing of like there's a shitload of them and they're like essentially more or less all identical like there's not a bunch of really distinct differentiating attributes to them across each individual one as is they just kind of look like a swarm of whatever the opposite word of bipedal is that I can't think of right now. And the design is, like, white with, like, black accents, I suppose. Yeah, they are supposed to be bug-like, which, like, the eyepieces are meant to be, like, sort of reminiscent of, like, a compound shape, and they have little mandibles. But other than that, they're sort of... If anyone has seen Star Wars The Phantom Menace, there's the droids in that that roll up into a ball and roll around. And the Borok toys, you could roll them up into a ball and make them roll around. So someone making a Bionicle toy had just, like, watched Star Wars and said, what if those? That's a toy function. So they're just roly-polies. Yeah, so they're roly-polies. Imagine a massive swarm of, like, five-foot-tall roly-polies that are also robots that can shoot, like, depending on which one, like, fire or acid or ice, or, like, vibration waves at you. Or, like, a power washer. There's there's some of them that just, like, the magical, like, element ability just turns them to power washers. That all sounds more threatening than I think the actual art makes them look. Um, <laughs> I think, like, reading these, maybe it's a matter of the fact that, like, the Toa and everyone else, like, because everyone in Bionicle is biomechanical... It's like, you know, like there are details in the arts of like their sort of like machine-like appearance, but I'm never like really looking at them and thinking 
about just like, you know, like, how armored and dangerous they are. Maybe partially because there's no, like, weak little humans just walking around like flesh bags to contrast with, you know? Yeah, and... The thing about the Boark is they are intentionally meant to be less weak than the Toa, and the whole point is that they swarm, because that means that when you're the kid and you've got your your Toa, you know, everyone bought one of each of the six Toa, let's say. Well, six Borok versus six Toa is nothing, so you got to buy a bunch more Borok. Uh, the Borok toys were really great, though, because they had a little tab at the back, and when you push it, the head would, like, jut forward really suddenly. Which is the first part of um, the weird influence of the alien movies on the Borok, which we'll get into more, but like the way that like the second mouth inside the alien like pops out. They did that, but it's the whole head like flying forward, and it was actually like a really cool little toy function. I'm curious to know what that looked like, and it also puts a second more unrelated note in my mind of being curious to see what any xenomorph action figures look like because i know they must exist but i've never seen one (laughs) but before we jump into the xenomorph of it all my impression here beyond you know like the very uniform appearances was that the borok compared to the other characters we've seen were more lacking in individual personalities and i'm like Is it canonical that, like, these are less sentient beings? What's sort of going on with emotion and intelligence? Is there any actual in-universe commentary on that? And what makes some bionicle, I don't know, species, which feels like the wrong word when they're bionicle, you know, like, what makes some of them more... I guess just analogous to humans and presentation and behavior than others. So the Borok are explicitly purely robotic, and then the little mask thing inside of them, which we find out later is called a Krana, is the only like biological material on them. The Toa are supposedly biomechanical, with like actual living tissue throughout them, which, okay, I don't see that in the design, but that's chill. Literally all of it is armored up, I guess. And the the Borok masks connect them to a hive mind, which is connected to the Borok queens, which they run. So individual Borok are not sentient. They're just drones in this massive army. Are the queens sentient? Yes. Okay. They are sentient, but they are also because... Um, massive spoilers for I have no idea which year of Bionicle this is revealed... But every single Bionicle character that we have met thus far in the franchise, and I think meet for, like, a long time, is actually a part of a massive super robot that they all live inside. And they all perform a function that keeps the robot running. And the island of Matanui, basically, the robot crashed on an ocean planet and, like, got all fucked up. And so the island of Matanui is actually the robot's face sticking out of the ocean. And the Borok are just a function of the robot to clean its face off. So they're like bacteria or something. This is why they're trying to wipe out the island. It's literally just Makuta activated them too early in like the robot's waking up process to give the Toa something to keep them busy. Huh. Because they're actually 
I would argue the Borok are maybe the most iconic Bionicle villains aside from Makuta himself, and the entire function of the Borok is just make the face clean, there's too much dirt and shit on it. Not to be a hater, but that's kind of worrying to hear that some of the most iconic villains are these ones that have nothing uniquely like individualized going on that are literally just a swarm. Was these guys and then like the Paraka, which if you know the Paraka rap, you have heard the main theme song of this podcast before because that's what I pulled that from. And they're like a criminal gang. Um, and then there's like the Baraki. I don't know what their thing is, but they all look like ocean creatures. People seem to like them. I don't know. I haven't read any Baraki stuff. That's well after I would like. The Paraka was, like, where I checked out as a kid. So I don't know anything that comes after the Paraka nearly as well. Okay. The Borok, I think if you had a toy in hand, which this time I don't have a toy, the toys were really quite cool, and I like the idea of, like, changing it up and doing a swarm enemy, because the last arc, if you were buying the toys, all of the villains were in, like, a big box that you'd have to spend extra money on. But now all of the villains, except for a couple, are in much more reasonably sized boxes that cost about the same as a Toa. So you can probably actually get your parents to buy one. I suppose I should say I don't like intrinsically dislike, you know, a swarm enemy. The Xenomorphs we've been talking about have an element of that. And, you know, the best X-Men villains are the Brood. So a swarm enemy can in fact slay... I think my issue, with regards to a lot in these issues, isn't even necessarily with each little theoretical thing so much as the culmination of, like, it doesn't help me stay interested to have swarm enemies without any real personality when the heroes who are fighting them also don't have personality, and that's the real crux of the problem for me. The, the lack of personality on the Toa in this arc is completely infuriating because this is not how I remembered them and I am now wondering if I am insane in remembering that these people had personalities. Um, they've, they've unified and I guess they are kind of acting as a unit throughout this whole thing, which means that now that there is not constant friction and bickering in their, like, setup, they no longer have any individuality at all. Yeah, it's like, I think, I remember we get like a slight moment of that when for the moment, a bit in, they're just like, okay, we teamed up, we're good now, we don't need to anymore. And then of course, they need to again. And like, the only one who seems to have anything remotely differential, and I'm being very generous when I say a more distinct personality is just the girl one being the one who was like, get back together, as of last time. Garly, once again, just wants to take all of her parts and break them apart and attach them to everyone else's parts to make a bigger robot. She loves it. That's her favorite thing. I have to imagine that, yeah, maybe being one of the Zords turning into the Megazord would be fun. I'm curious to know what that feels like. (laughs) What if my hand suddenly became a crucial part of your leg? What if all of our bodily systems suddenly became entwined 
it's like sex, but even more intimate and combined. Only took two episodes to link Bionicle and sex. How far can we go from here? Um, not very far. These people don't have sex. <laughs> These people... Do they even have desire of any kind, much less sexual, <laughs> frankly? You know, just to go back to... Like, the motivation really just feels like we have to act out this action plot... You know, because, like, even by, like, action hero standards of, I have to save the day, it's like, theoretically, they're saving their island, but because there's so little character development, you know, we really don't get any scenes of, like, this is my neighborhood, these are my friends, I'm protecting this specific family member. It's like, because we don't get to know them well, I'm just less invested in even saving the island, I'm just kind of like... Not really caring about the island, even if it is a cool, like, sunken god thing. So, you need to play the Matanui Online game, in which you play one of the tiny little Matoran people, and you run around helping people with their silly problems, and then just sort of wind up watching, like, the Toa defeat Makuda for the first time. I've done some more reading for this episode, so I have a bit more context, because I'm like, I guess I'll have to bring up that thing I kind of remember about the whole point of the Borok being to clean off the giant robot face. <laughs> and that is a rabbit hole that I went down. Do you know if anyone has, like, preserved that data to keep it, like... The game still exists, yeah, there's ways to play it. Okay, that's cool. I like things like that, that's neat. Like, saving dead corporate media. <laughs> There's a Bionicle archive, which, like, good on them. I could have gone that for the comics, but I've got the comics physically, because they showed up at our work. So, here we are. Um, anyway, the Toa have arrived at Tarkoro, and the a bunch of Borok, and yeah, so they are the giant robot roly-polies with little shields on their little arms and little legs, and they are just sort of attacking the ground. The wrecking shit, and the Toa go to try and help, um, and they get a bit outmaneuvered because they aren't expecting these guys to have element powers, even though they're visibly using their element powers on the last page. But, um, you know, they get, they quickly get their shit together, and, uh, in kind of a cool power moment, um, Liwa and Gali, like, combine their powers because it's water and wind to make a storm. That's, that's a neat trick. Yeah, that's... That's one of the better action moments in the arc, I think. I wish we got more of this. Like, I think we do get a couple more instances, but this is the sort of thing that I do enjoy of just like, you know, this is a kid's toy action commercial in book form, but we can tie the action to the characters by having them do teamwork. And here we have them teaming up and being friends, and the result is a bigger, cooler nature thing. Which, even just like the page we're looking at of the storm, um, Deanda does a good job compositionally of doing, it's just like two panels and one of them is long and takes up most of the page and just like sells like this massive storm raining lightning down from high up in the sky. That's cool. And then like the lettering is nice and the lightning pops up against these frankly pretty well-drawn clouds of just like lots of nice little inked detail. Yeah, it all sorts of spirals up to like this hole at the top of the sky, which is then just raining down with lightning that is blue and green, 
like different strikes of blue or green because it's a combination of Liwa and Gali's power. Um, this is obscenely powerful. Like this, that's that's a big storm. These guys can do a lot. Yeah, that that's pretty shockingly big looking for just a one plus one power up. Honestly, more of that in future, please. I'd love a uh, uh, the entire sky gets wrecked moment. Um, so the Borok flee because the storm is just too much. So the Toe have already won. They they've knocked. There's a couple that they've taken out, and it's got a little. So I mentioned that they have the little rubber masks inside them, and I say rubber because in the toy they were rubber. They were really fucking weird feeling because they were like this little rubber piece that had like a weird texture on it. And Pohatu's looking at it, it's like, what is this? And Taraga Vakama, so if you remember from last episode, he's one of the very, like, there's the Matoran who are like the normal people who seem kind of like kids, but they're not really kids. And then there's the Toa who are much taller and have all the power and other ass kicking warriors. And then there's the Taraga who are like the little old men. And so little old man Vakama, in his mask that literally has, like, one of those pharaoh beards, like the fake beards that pharaohs used to have, he's got, like, one of those, um, he pops up and basically explains that they've known the legends of the Borok for centuries and they prayed that they were just legends, but unfortunately they're real, as it turns out, because a whole bunch of them just showed the fuck up, I guess. It is said the Borok sleep an eternal sleep waiting to hatch. Once awakened, the storms are unstoppable. A force so powerful they can reduce mountains to rubble and turn life-giving rivers dry as the desert sands. I guess Bionicles need to drink. Weird. Worse, these creatures do not work alone. Each Borok carries within it a Krana, their greatest strength, also their greatest weakness. Even the mightiest of Borok can be humbled if parted from their Krana. Um, the Krana are like weird little masks that just sort of slot into their heads. Like, on the toy it was set up so that there's just a piece on the top of the head that flips onto it and like holds the whole thing together and keeps the crana in there but like they've got a clear head so you can see the crana inside it which is kind of a neat effect like the visible storytelling it's also another very alien thing in that you have this very clear top of the head with a bunch of texture and bits and like stuff underneath it much like in the um original xenomorph design these guys really are just a riff on alien but like if alien was cleaning things i guess uh so there's six borok because of course there are there's one in each bionicle color so you've got the white the red the blue the black the green and the brown which are korok parak galak tanak nuvok levak one hell of a naming scheme they all have the powers you would expect in terms of, like, the stone one and the fire one or whatever. Except the one that would be the air one shoots acid instead. Which, again, is very alien. What can we have it do? Let's just do that. I mean, I dig it. This is, like, the first time someone has a power that isn't just one of the standard Bionicle powers. We're gonna get a lot more of that in the next story with the, um... Slight spoilers, it's the Borok Carl. It's literally the Borok again. But this time there's only six of them and they have personalities. It's so weird. The Levak are also the best ones because they're green with red and like the very little bit of like red against the bright green. It's a cool color scheme, in my opinion. Like that's the best looking of the toys. If you're gonna get one of these off eBay or something, get the Levak. They're by far the coolest. 
They have acid for blood. I'm excited to hear that some of these will have personalities next time. I mean, it's kind of the same personality in each one of them, but it is a personality. Yeah. So, basically, Orbitor are like, well, we better go and split up so we can try and protect all of our villages because there's a lot of island. Um, this robot's face is really big. And Liwa swings back to go to his village because he's fully Tarzaning because they live in the jungle where his Taraga, Matau, and all of the villagers are wearing Krana because the Borok can take the Krana out of their heads and put it on your head which mind controls you. So these guys are now all face-huggered up, but in this case, face-huggers results in invasion of the body snatchers. And um, Lee was the green one, and all of the people in his village are green, so we get that nice, like, red-on-green um, Nightmare Christmas final panel. I think this looks pretty creepy. The Kron are creepy-looking. The running theme for me is that I'm gonna wish it went alien even more, and I'm gonna wish that little smaller bow rock had been busting out of these chests and shit (laughs) what if we violently destroyed these children's toys what if we encourage you to rip your toys apart after your parents bought them for you well the thing is it's lego so like you could do that they want you to do that because they want you to buy three of them and build the big one which by the way the bow rock could do as well that's right there's bow rock kaita we don't see any of them in the story, but that's a thing you could do. There were Borok combination models. It's great. All the Borok, by the way, are the exact same design, except the shield piece is different and the colors are different. So we've got a bunch of Tanok running through the desert in the next issue. There's a little bit of lore stuff about the powers of the different Krana. Sort of a little functional thing where one of them is... Oh yeah. To go back for a second, each... Borok has a different color Krana, and then each Borok set would come with a random one of eight different Krana designs in that color that matches that Borok. And part of the plot of this is the Toa have to collect every single kind of Krana. So if you're a kid doing, like, and, and the story's about you gotta collect all the Krana, just like the last time it was you gotta collect all the masks, that's a lot of Borok. Eight masks each times six is 48 yep okay it's gonna get hoping worse. you don't get duplicates it's gonna get worse because the borok var which are like little tiny things that run alongside the borok bringing them extra krana all of the krana they had were unique colors too so no one had all of these basically 96 so no one on Earth has every single one of these. Oh, there's someone who's got all of them, but there's, like, maybe three people on the planet who who have this, and they've done it as, like, adults. But there you go, the Collectifon. We've, and each Krana has a little, like, individual power. I'm really not going to get into, like, listing them all here, because this is Bionicle lore, and it is insane how much there is, because the more lore you do, the more toys you can justify. Has it occurred to you yet that with our continued coverage of this, you're well on your way to becoming a Bionicle influencer? Okay, I'll take that. By nature of simply being someone who still remembers and regularly talks about it, you could make this a whole thing. I have been wanting to 3D print my own Bionicle parts. Fuck yeah. That would be so cool. Make me a... Pink one? Make me a limp-wristed little faggy pink bionicle, please. (laughs) 
listeners, if this is your first time listening... This is Trey Rock. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> listeners, if this is your first time listening in and you don't already know because you only decided to listen to the stray action figure episode, I'm allowed to use the words I just said. And also, Trey Rock was a rawhide kid joke. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I'll make you a pink bow rock. <laughs> <laughs> or... What's the... Toa? Yeah, Toa. Not a Bowrock, a Toa. A Toa? Yeah, they're cooler. Treya, probably, for Toa, naming scheme-wise. Sounds like a Norse Trey goddess. Who? Yep, Trehu. Treya? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they telepathically can tell that there's Toa around, and they're like, well, we're going to keep going. We get thoughts here, which is some narrative captions from the point of view of the Borok queens, who we haven't, like, met yet, but that's who this is. So there's two talking to each other, talking about how Matanui will be as it was in the before time, Matanui will be restored at last. Which, like, we're meant to think this talking about the island in some way, and it's like a magic thing, but at this point they had already figured out, like, the big reveal that the entire island is a giant robot's face. So, nope, this was actually almost a clever setup for that. It's just very weird cleaning procedure for your face, having a swarm of burrocks. But then again, it's weird to have an entire species of people inside you who mainly are just there to, like, run around in a city that is your brain. So, um, Pohatu and Gali are coming up with a plan to sort of take out some of the Tanok, which are the fire burrock. And, like, get their uh, Krana so they can do the thing that the Karma said they needed to do, which is unspecified at this point, because the Turaga are really terrible and don't tell people things. The Turaga, by the way, know about the giant island face. They, they know all of the mysteries, and they all suck. Which ones are the Turaga again? They're the little old people. The village elders. Do they just not tell other people all this shit? Yeah. Yeah. And going back to question-wise, like, you know, like, there's these different terms for the Toa and then, like, the old ones and the childlike ones. Are they different species or are they the same creatures who just look decidedly different as they age? Or do the elders pop out the biomechanical womb as elders so the taraga used to be toa and most toa used to be matoran most matoran do not become toa but some are destined to be toa and so will eventually encounter a thing that energizes them and turns them into toa and then when toa give up their elemental energy to like do a super special thing they turn into taraga Okay, so these creatures are biologically related. They're caterpillars going in their cocoons and shit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like all, except for these Toa. These Toa that we're following right now were created as Toa based on my very intense Bionicle Wiki fest last week. 
they were created in the in in um Kada Nui, I think, or the Red Star. I'm not sure which one. There was a lot of stuff about the Red Star that I didn't fully understand, but apparently it means that everyone who died didn't really die because they got uploaded to the Red Star or something. Who knows? Doesn't matter. We're not nearly on those bits of Bionicle yet. Thank fuck, it sounds way too complicated. Right now, we've got a very simple plan. They're gonna drown these guys. So they drown the fire Borok, which makes a lot of sense because they have Garli with them who can swim down, fire Borok are taken out by water, and she can get the Krana off of them while they're all, you know, drowning. But they are able to heat up the water so quickly that it starts to boil, but she's able to do it. Um, meanwhile, Tahu is rallying the people in Takoro to, like, build a wall to protect them from the Borok. God, the phrase build a wall has aged so badly. Um, <laughs> that is a literal action that you can't talk about without feeling gross. Oh, oh, I need a shower now. Um, Kopaka, like, ice slides over there like he's Iceman. Um, and basically, he's figured out a bunch of shit off-panel, and he's figured out that the Krana are alive, um, as in, like, the Krana are, like, the biological matter that runs the Borok, and he says, and worse, prepare yourself, my friend, to learn the darkest secret of all, but Kopaka's secret will have to wait for next issue. And this is not the end-of-issue cliffhanger. There's still fully, like, four more pages after that. Yeah, it's four pages of Gali having managed to get some Krana, and then they have to get the fuck out because the Tarnok have somehow survived being drowned and are now, like, melting handholds in the rock in, like, the trap to get back out. Because these things just don't stop. I will say, I like in these issues that they at least keep thinking about elemental powers and having them use them. Of just, like, you know, like, using the heat to melt holds into the rock and the storm earlier and just, like... If we're going to have elemental powers, we might as well use them to affect other types of matter. So at least we're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, the usage of the Toa powers in this is good. And, like, the the Borok also occasionally get to do cool stuff. Most of them just sort of shoot stuff. Um, but the end of issue cliffhanger in this case is the reveal that at the end of last issue's cliffhanger where Liwa shows up, and his entire village have been, like, taken over by Krana. Well, now Liwa's wearing a Krana. And again, this is effectively pretty creepy imagery here, because, like, Liwa's all in shadow, and then we zoom in closer on Liwa's face, and it's, like, the weird-looking red Krana, which... I like it. I, I like this plot idea of one of the Toa has been taken over, and now they have to fight a Toa. Which, just on, like, the kids mashing action figures together, Toa fighting another Toa is cool. The insanity that there was never an evil Toa arc, where, like, just, there was a Toa who was a bad guy, in, like, all of Bionicle is absolutely insane to me. That's, like, the third thing I would have ever done. It feels like there should be a Psycho Rangers arc. Or, like, the Green Ranger from Mighty Morphin who starts evil and joins them later or something. To just represent mashing your action figures at each other yeah instead it's just they all kind of really hate each other except for when they don't yeah on this topic of the various games were any of them fighting games because that feels like the natural thing to do um most of them are like 3d adventure platformers from what i can remember 
the Madden Louie online game was more like... God, I'm trying to remember. It's like an exploration game? Because you played one of the little guys, and the Matoran can't really fight shit very well, because they're so small. So you mostly just sort of went places, and interacted with people, and carried out tasks to help them. Like, light puzzle solving? That makes sense. Just solve puzzles and talk to the NPCs who can tell you what toys to buy yeah. next month. Yeah, just, just talk to all of those McDonald's tie-in toys. An island populated entirely by McDonald's tie-in toys. And then just six $10 sets. Good God. Um, yeah, yeah. So, back to the main plot. Um, Kopaka has, based from the cliffhanger of last... The weird, not the end of the issue cliffhanger, end of issue cliffhanger from last issue. Um, Kopaka has taken Tahu to a big hole in the ground... Revealing that because the Borok are coming out of this big hole of the ground, they are not creatures from some other land. They come from within Matanui itself. Credit where it's due, you know. And I want to point out things that I think are well done as we go because I don't just want to be a hater and not be fun. I like the way Deanda draws this of just like the perspective as you sort of just like look down into the earth or into Matanui. Blah. As you look down into the earth, or rather into Matanui, and it's just this really nice angle peering down through all this jagged rock, and you just see this shitload of swarms of Borok, and it's just like, oh yeah, that's threatening. I think most of those are Borok Var. They're quite far away, and weirdly from this angle, the silhouette is strangely similar, but they all have the shields like on the head, which is the Borok Var, which are like the little ones. Yeah, they just look like this army of little drones about to get at you. Like, spidery drones. Tahu is slightly more headstrong than Kopaka, which is... There we go, there's some, there's some character stuff. Tahu wants to just go, and he's like, We can go kick the shit out of all of them inside the island. And Kopaka's like, if you learn nothing, going there now won't do anything. We need all the Krana first. Because we just need to listen to the karma. I, I don't know why otherwise they're looking for the Krana. Um, so Tahu's like, oh, okay, no, you're right. So there you go. Tahu is more headstrong than Kopaka, but maybe less of a loner? Question mark? The thing is, these are also the two most similar Toa in personality based on what I remember. So teaming them up doesn't really help. Yeah, because, like, the main impressions last time were, like, everyone minus the girl... And I keep just referring to her that way just to emphasize just how typical and stereotypical just like the gender presentation, what little of it is, uh, what little of it there is, is still. It's like the fire and the ice ones, you know, all the dudes are just sort of the loners, but fire and ice especially. And it's like the ice one sort of seems like the supreme asshole, but also... I don't know, like, did he ever actually declare the Red One the leader, or am I just inferring Power Rangers and 90s kids cartoon things? He is the leader, but I don't remember that. Like, I know that he... I remember from when I was a kid, Tahu is the leader. In everything I've read so far, he doesn't do any leading. He just has the leader's color. Yeah, like, like, normally it's the Red One who's the leader. 
And I'd say that's true of the other Toa teams too, from what I can remember. I remember the Toa Metru very well, and that's the Taraga back when they were young, so that was Vakama who was the red one, and he was the leader, for sure. And like, but like, they got the two movies. These guys get one movie, and they're not the main characters for it, unfortunately. It's, um, it's, it's two of them, Atora, who are the main characters, but, oh well. Um, so now we cut to the jungle again, and Onua is there getting his ass kicked by Liwa, because he's, the, the whole plot where we could have had something where, like, Kranid up Liwa, like, has a plan to take down the other Toa one by one. I don't know, apparently Kranid up Liwa has just been hanging out in the jungle, and Anua's gone like, you know, we haven't heard from my friend in a little while, I'll go check up on him, and he's just sort of shown up and now we're having a fight. And it's kind of interesting because Liwa is able to speak independently of, like, the what the Kran is making him do, so he's, like, begging Onua to get away, flee before I am forced to harm you. And Onua goes ahead and power of friendships it. He's just like, I know you can do it, you can fight it. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then he does. He pulls it off and we get a little glimpse of the utterly bizarre lego piece that is the head without the mask on it yeah just like the gray mainframe it's such a strange looking piece it's strange like because you need the plug where the mask goes and that's kind of where the mouth would be but it doesn't look like a mouth um this i think this would work a lot better if we'd had more interactions in this comic earlier between Liwa and Onua maybe establishing that these are, like, the two besties. Because I'm like, it is kind of fun to think about the Toa of Air and the one who lives underground being, like, really good friends would be kind of fun. But we get, like, the end of that story and not any of the beginning or middle. Yeah, it's basically just what we were talking about earlier with needing more personality, but, like... That would be a natural pair to make, both in terms of opposites attract, but also sort of, I don't know, having them be the mellow glue that's not the hyper-isolationist fire and ice ones. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so so after Onua gives Liwa back like his regular mask, a bunch of Livok, the, the green Borok are charging, but luckily, um, Onua has, all of his villagers have now equipped themselves in giant machines made of Borok parts that they have built into, like, mech suits that they call Boxor, but they're able to use to fight the Borok. Is the idea of piloting severed limbs and corpse parts less grim in this universe when they're all mechanical? <laughs> Well, well, yeah, as I say, because the the Borok are purely mechanical, so these are just bits and pieces. There's no, like, they haven't rebuilt corpses, they've rebuilt robot bits. Okay. Even though all of these people look like robot people, and you're like, okay, but, like, you know, it's fine, it's fine, okay? They're, they're here, and get away from her, you bitch. Leave Liwa alone, I guess. Forklift certified. It's here, and we've got three identical-looking tiny little Matoran 
it's weird because they don't all have to have the same mask or mask color, but they just sort of do here. But the thing is, that's the one that came with that set, so I guess there's three of him. They're here. They help. There's some more action of Gali and Pohatu just getting rid of the Tanok, the like red ones that are following them after they got the Krana from them last issue. We have a nice two-page ad for some of the bigger sets, including the Borok Queens, which if we're going to get into, we need to hurry up. Me explaining Bionicle lore runs long. Um, and Orbitoa get back together because they've got all the Krana they need now because they did a whole lot of Borok fighting off screen. And they are investigating like the tunnel into Matanui. And the tunnel is very weird because the rock is like alarmingly smooth. And then there's they can go down further. And so Tahu like goes ahead to investigate to scout out into a nest of Borok that are, like, still asleep. And he's like, hopefully they won't wake up. Next panel, all of them launching out of their weird tubes. Um, he has indeed entered the room of all the eggs, and the little thing on the top is opened up. Um, meanwhile, Liwa is, like, having a massive freakout because he wore a Krana for a while, so he's kind of connected to the swarms. And, like, everyone's sort of not quite sure if they should trust him because... He's being real fucking weird, but also they don't do anything about it. They don't have any, like, backup plan in case he betrays them. They're just like, I'm sure it will be fine. These Toa are not very practical. Yeah, it just kind of raises the narrative possibility, but doesn't really do much of anything with it. Um, but Liwa is having a vision of yet another set of armor that someone can wear to become more powerful. This is called the Exotoa armor. We'll see it again in an issue, but it's it's here now in Liwa's vision. And Pohatu can't like break the rock that's ahead of them to like get through to the other side. Meanwhile, it's like getting hot in there because a bunch of molten lava is flowing towards them. And then the last page of this issue is our reveal of the Borok Queens who look nothing like Borok whatsoever and also nothing like the alien queens not enough like the alien queens i think the back end kind of looks like the back end of the alien queen where it's like disconnected from the egg pod and like just the kind of angle that it goes up at but also you never see that angle because they just focus on the heads that could like bash forward they've got like big mouths with teeth and then each of them has like a little piece where like the, at the end of the snout that like then has a piece that goes back from the snout as like a decorative flare and when you look at them the way those pieces are built it looks like they have two eyes at the top of their nose that are very close together but actually there's bits on the side of their faces that are meant to be the eyes but literally looking at the toy and looking at like them drawn in this i never read those as their eyes i always read the two tiny little weird googly eyes in the front I don't know, which did you read as their eyes? The bits that are meant to be their eyes or the little funny things at the front? I read the bits on the side, but now that you point the small ones out, I suppose kind of both. Both sets of eyes. I don't, Maybe it was just a me thing, but constant thing. Every time I looked at these things as a kid too, I was just like, wow, their eyes are weird. Um, yeah, we get some cool ads at the end for the Bionicle board game. And the announcement of the search for the gold mask winners, which is great. 
they, they got the four winners and their families flew into San Diego, California for the ultimate Bionicle Power Bash and got to skate with skateboard champ Andy McDonald. I mean, good on those kids. That sounds like a great weekend. A toy party centered around skateboarding. Hell yeah. Truly designed to be cool to him. Did you own this Bionicle board game? I did not. I am wondering if the gameplay is any good. Do you have an eBay alert set up yet? Uh, not, no. No, my eBay alerts are all for, um, old Doctor Who comics written by Alan Moore. Good luck with that. Uh, that one's not gonna ever fucking happen, but I would die if I could get my hands on them. If any one of our, on average, four listeners has a line, just let me know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so basically everyone's in trouble. All the Toa are stuck in this, like, rock they can't get past with lava coming towards them, except for Tahu, who has somehow entered a nest. I'm actually not sure how these two things connect place-wise. Like, I thought they were both in the same place and Tahu went ahead, but now they're trying to get through a rock wall. It's unclear. It's fine. Whatever. We'll keep going. So, basically, they realize that because... Onua and Pohatu, who are really strong, cannot break this wall of rock. It is actually fake rock. And if you don't believe in this rock, it will disappear because it is not real rock. It's an illusion. It's fake. And and Liwa gets it, presumably because of Liwa's connection with the Krana, but this is this isn't specified. So they're able to walk through I hate to make this reference, but they fully just platform nine and three quarters this shit. This is not a Harry Potter podcast. This is not a Harry Potter podcast, but this is that's that's what the visual is for listeners not looking at this comic. Except there's some Jack Kirby dots for some reason. Yeah, they platform in three quarters through a Jack Kirby energy field. And yeah, so they, they get through. The lava apparently is real. But luckily Tahu is pretty much okay with lava, so he just sort of busts through. He he heated up the air pressure inside the nest with all the burrock that were attacking him until it blew the nest up, which is kind of another cool use of his powers that unfortunately we didn't get to see. Um, but, like, these robots who live on this tropical island know about air pressure. That's great. They understand how heat affects air pressure. Also, apparently, burrock nests are vacuum-sealed. Uh, so they all fly down because it, they have all the six mass powers, so all these guys can fly. They fly down into an even bigger chamber where they're able to put all of the Krana they've connected into, like, little slots on the floor for them, and Liwa starts freaking out, It's begun! The end of the Borok! And he's, like, shaking violently. There's a lot of motion lines here, and even some of that, like, early 2000s motion blur. And then... Six doorways open up, and each one leads to each Toa's personal power loader. There's, there's an, oh, there's an ad. There's a two-page ad that spoils the end of this arc, which I think is hilarious, because they're just telling you what's going to happen next issue in the ad, because they're explaining the lore of the toy that they want you to buy with the ad. This ad is in the wrong one. It's fine. It's funny. And the Toa are now inside ExoToa. This is... Yeah, this is this is just Sigourney Weaver walking out in a power loader, except it's like all black and silver. Yeah. It's just, got a missile arm. Just even bigger robot. More armor on the armor. 
The toy looked kind of cool, but I, I don't know if it could really move very well once you put the Toa in, because the Toa couldn't really move very well, so I didn't ever want one as a kid. But yeah, so we get three panels of the Matoran in their box or just so we have like an absolute mech moment right now, fighting some Borok, and then we're right back into where we were. The Toa start hearing the telepathic voice of the Borok queens who start showing up. Their names, by the way, are Kadok and Gadok. I can't remember which is which, but one of them is like blue, and one of them is red, and they have big mouths, and they tell the Toa, you're in an obstacle, you do not belong, you will be removed. And the Toa fight them for a bit inside their big suits, but the blasts from like the missiles have no effect. Like, the Bowak Queens have a force field around them, and the Toa drive them together into the center of the big chamber that they're in. Not realizing that when the Borok Queens are standing next to each other, they're actually more powerful. And now Matanui will be as it was in the before time. All that does not belong will be removed, beginning with you! So the Toa really fucked up here, but also how the hell were they supposed to know that? And also why didn't these two just stand next to each other from the beginning? I hate that I'm now being mean about this. Also, just how does standing next to each other help? Why? In magic, it increases their powers. Just a friendship. Yeah, stat it's... Stat buff. It's like when Northstar and Aurora hold hands and it makes a light, except it's when these two stand next to each other, and it increases their powers of um, illusion, and I'm not sure what the other one is. Maybe that's the force field we saw. You know, I'm sure there's an ad somewhere that says... Hang on, I think the ad for these guys was last issue. What can Cadillac and Gadok do? Okay, the Barag twins... They're the Barag. The, the Borok Queens are Barag, but, like, Borok Queens is better because that gets across the idea. You can see how one of the toys, when the eyes aren't lit up, it really does look like the things on the front are the eyes. Teeny googly eyes, yeah. <laughs> fun, fun little Lego Technic design weirdness. Um, they look beneath the surface of Matanui, protecting the secrets of the Borok Swarms. If their snapping jaws are not enough to stop a foe, they also possess great mental abilities and the elemental powers of all the Borok. So basically, they are all of the Borok plus Charles Xavier. Okay. Did you want to talk about the ad on the back of number seven as well? Oh, yes. Did yes. we get this one last episode? I don't know if we did. I can't remember, but this is an ad for Bionicle, the album. And we have a pretty cool render with... Some weird render errors, but it's fine. It's 2002, what do you do? You probably got one shot at this. Your computer took a week to render this shot. Pretty cool shot of uh, Tahu's new mask that he's getting next issue, rising out of the proto... Half of it's a Bionicle mask submersion liquid metal. Um, and then the bottom tells us some of the musicians who will be contributing to Bionicle, the album, called Sev, Rob Zombie, and Woven. Rob Zombie diehards, if you're wondering why it doesn't ring a bell, it's because this is lost media, or rather, dead media so dead, it was never born. It was aborted. The album did not come out, even though they fucking made it to the PR advertisement stage. The album did not happen. They had a goddamn domain, www.bionicletealbum.com. And they did all this shit before even finalizing a goddamn product to release. It got Batgirl'd, I assume. Very strange. 
it's weird. It is. It is the number one. I want to live in the alternate universe where this album came out and society was solved and everything since 2002 when Bionicle the album came out has been perfect and beautiful. We don't talk about covers a lot on this podcast just because we're normally a bit strapped for time whenever we talk about these things. But the cover of this next one has images of what are clearly the Toa, but, like, now with silver armor and new weapons and, like, a slightly different design, and then all of their masks are really different and way worse looking. There's my Toa Nuva hot take as we head into the end of the Toa? Question mark. Um... The little recap page explaining what's happening is kind of fun because it's Toa Tahu's, like, mask, like a close-up on it, and then half of it is, like, reflected in his mask, Liwa and one of the Borok queens fighting, with, like, the dialogue explaining why the Toa are, like, underneath Matanui fighting these Borok queens. Like, this is a fun little get-you-up-to-speed-in-a-page visual. It does the classic reflecting of other action within the mask. Yeah, it's it's cool. I wish that the toy masks were actually metallic like this and could do that. Um, so, turns out, the armor is... The, the, the two of the Toa are fighting empty air because they are, quote, the victims of Caddock's illusions! And it's all going to shit really quickly. Like, they are doing nothing. They're getting nowhere. So Tahu gets really pissed off and starts, like, blasting fire at the Borok Queens, who then, like, throw rocks at him. And so he's got the Mask of Shielding, so he uses it to protect himself with his force field. But apparently it's, like, really hard to use. Like, he manages it, but there's, like, he notes how difficult it is. And Gali says, Tahu's in trouble, but my water powers have failed hit me. I can't help him. So, if you haven't gotten what's happening yet, Latoa got this massive upgrade with this super armor that they can wear, but it turns out this armor prevents them from using all of their natural abilities that are way more badass than some big armor. So they're gonna have to take it off. So they got this new shit just to have to get rid of it, just to have to do the new shit. Well, look, they built the set, so... Do you want them to make the set narratively relevant, or do you want them to make a set a weird narrative cul-de-sac that raises more questions than it answers? Like, why is this here? Why do the Toa have this destined armor that just makes them worse? Why is your advertisement strategy for your armor, for your Toa characters that you can put them in, this will make your Toa worse at the thing that they are supposed to do? I don't know. You can feel the struggle as they try to illustrate the new sets, which, as I think we established last time, would literally sometimes be more than one a month even, and they are just trying to fit all these toys in. The thing is, in terms of, like, the actual toys, this is one of the high points of Bionicle. The Borok release line was huge and really successful and really cool. This is maybe the narrative low point, and I hate to say it. I, I, I hate being mean to Bionicle. I love Bionicle. I've decided, officially. Bionicle is great, and everyone should like it. Don't start with this plot. Like, maybe the book, the chapter book, is a better example. I feel like the comics should be the main storytelling thing, because they have the visual aspect. And, you know, it's a lot of fighting. Anyway, Pohatu picks up a rock and tries to throw it, 
and does a bad job of throwing it, even though he's in giant, like, super armor. And it's because the armor hinders the elemental power, so they all, they all strip. And the Toa surround them and combine all of their powers together and use all of their elemental powers at once, which seems to do something. And then the, the, the Boak Queen specifically, I, I think it's the red one speaking, I can't tell because it is just like the little thought balloon thing where they're like doing their psychic speak. Fools, you think you have won, but you cannot imagine what you have unleashed. By the way, it is one page is both the reveal of them having stripped and the like them fighting them using their elemental powers. It's like a single image. A single splash page, yeah. yeah. Not even a single page of multiple panels to convey motion. It's a nice splash page, but this fight just is over now. The fight is just sort of over. And now little holes appear in the floor and like little platforms and all six Toa are on a platform and they drop down into these sort of silver tubes that fill up with this silver liquid and there's like electricity and it goes Zack Zack I think is how you would do those those sound effects. And then you turn the page and there is an ad for the Toa Nuva. The strange energies of the Protodermis have transformed the Toa into the Toa Nuva with new tools, new armor, and greater power than ever before. But can even the might of the Toa Nuva overcome the darkness that threatens all of Mata Nui? It's my Bionicle trailer voice. The red one's trying to do more of a Darth Vader look of its new mask, and it's not really there. This is my hot Bionicle take. I don't like the Toa Nuva. I think that the armor pieces look cool. And I think that the new weapons are cool, where, like, each of them, like, the ice one's double-bladed sword can turn into ice skates. The fire one's fire swords can turn into a surfboard for lava surfing, which is really fucking cool. Like, that is just 100% 12-year-old pure perfection. They've all incorporated the skateboarding aesthetic that has been tied to this franchise. Garly has a set of axes that can turn into flippers. <laughs> Some of them are very weird. But, yeah. And anyway, back to the actual comic. On the next page, we see that the Toa have been transformed into the Toa Nuva. <laughs> because that was that was an ad, to be clear. With, like, CGI, like, renders of the actual figures that you can buy. And then back to the actual comic, we have the comic's first shot of the Toa Nuva. Yeah, the mass designs I don't like. I'll, I'll just, they're not as good. They're all, like, bigger and weirder looking, but not in a good way. They kind of have lost some of the aesthetic, like, simplicity of the last designs, and they just have a lot of bits on them, and I can't really figure out what all those bits are doing, and also none of them look like they did before. So all these people had for a face was a mask, and the only one whose mask is, like, recognizably the same kind of thing is Kopaka because it still has his weird eye. They're all just like a bit more complicated now, but the aesthetic isn't actually cool enough to like, you know, have that be fine. It's just sort of busy, but bland at the same time. Bit of a shame that this is the look that made it into the uh, movie rather than the better Toa Nuva look, but what can you do? Um, Onua being the, the, well, this dialogue is great. So, Gali, Kopaka, what has happened? What have we become? To Kopaka, 
more than we ever were, more than anyone has ever been. Onua is clearly the smart one, because he's apparently figured out what the fuck this is. Those chambers were filled with protodermis. It changed as increased our power. I think this is the first time protodermis has been brought up. Based on my Bionicle wiki, it's an important part of Bionicle lore, but I have no idea what it is beyond a liquid metal that turns Toa into Toa Nuva. Just a power-up. It's a power-up. They got powered up, and now they look a bit worse, but, like, the silver armor's cool. It's nice that they all have, like, a unifying color in the color scheme now, and, like, they're beefier. That's, that's neat. Anyway, um, they're, they're more powerful now. There's a falling stone, because, oh yeah, because the queens are defeated, I guess, um, the chamber's, like, falling apart and collapsing in on itself, because, you know, the villain's been defeated, so their lair explodes. Um, so this falling rock, uh, but Tahu's able to block it with, like, his mask of shielding, and it saves everyone instead of just Tahu, which is a thing that the mask could not do before, but now it can. So everyone, like, uses their mask powers to escape using the mask of speed and the mask of levitation, and they fly up out of the tunnels into the light. They did it. The threat of the Borok swarms has ended. The Protodermis has given them the power to protect their people from any danger and to heal the shattered land. Once we were Toa, but now we are far more. Now and forevermore, we are Toa Nuva. See what I mean about this like being the end of an arc? The next issue is like an aftermath issue, kind of. My main issue here, and maybe with the arc as a whole, is that nothing about the power-up feels earned you know, like, it's not tied to any sort of character growth so much as just, we stumbled upon the power-up goo. We're gonna get powered up now. We have not grown individually or as a team, but now we have more armor. Though we did nothing to earn. We, we have fallen into the protodermis tubes, and we have come out looking a bit worse, but, like, beefier. There's like a perfect balance in the set where if you take all of the armor off your Toa Nuva and put it on your Toa Matter and have it have the same face but the Toa Nuva body, you have the perfect Toa. At least these ones. But it's not canonical, so you're not allowed to do that. The canon is very important. Anyway, onto my favorite thing about all of these issues, which is the ad on the last page of issue number 8 of the Bionicle comic. A must-see ad, a need, a necessary ad. I may have said that Bionicle the album is the thing that would have solved our trouble world and provided us all with the perfect, unified version of reality that we all deserve. But there is one thing that is better, and this was released, and that is the Bionicle shoe. The Bionicle Nike. It's a Bionicle Nike shoe, and the thing is, it's Bionicle, so it's got a mask on it. And you can change them out. They made masks. And you could just change the mask. You could change half of your foot. They're just like different colored slip-ons for the front of the sneaker. With like different designs based on, unfortunately, the masks of the Toa Nuva rather than the Toa Mata. But like, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Sadly, I suspect that even if you eBay watch-listed this, I suspect that they never made these above children's sizes. So I think this is a dream lost, never to be achievable, to actually wear these shoes. Oh, I'm hell on shoes. I'd never wear these. I would ruin them in, like, a day. They would fall apart instantly. 
Would you just have them in a nice little airtight display with a nice light on them at yes. all times? Yes. I would protect them with my life, and I would get all the different slip-on masks. All, I assume, six? Did they do more? I don't know. Unfortunately, the Bionicle shoe isn't canon to Bionicle, so it's not in the fucking wiki. The ad shows red and blue slip covers, so implying if they actually produced both of them, at least two different shoe fronts. This is odd for a Bionicle ad in that it doesn't contain a grid of every color of everything you could possibly acquire, which is a bit of a shame, because if there's anything I want more details on, it's the Bionicle shoe. We were mean about these comics, but also, like, they kind of deserved it. I feel like I wasn't as mean as I actually feel about them, because I tried to point out the, the parts where I was like, there's something functionally competent here, but I really did not like these. Like, I didn't like the first ones we covered, but I was like, the art is better than I thought it would be. But because I'd read those already, and this was a continuation, it just made it all the more unbearable of being like, can I get a goddamn personality? Uh, I, I was very bored with these characters. Yeah. If you're doing a complete Bionicle reading, I suppose these are worth picking up for the Carlos Deander art. Like, that's just as good as it was in the first ones. Um, but they're paced weirdly... They do tell a complete story, but the characters aren't really individualized. There's no arcs for anyone. There's, It's a shame, because in terms of what I remember, this was the shit, and now I'm like, oh no, this was not the shit. I guess the question is going to be if any of the comics are better, or if any of those chapter books and games as an adult are better. I have recently rewatched. I watched the movie because I got the movie because I I went down that rabbit hole and I needed I needed the the Bionicle Mask of Light movie, the one I remember the most from when I was a kid, and that was. Let me put it this way: it does not lack for personality, which after these felt very nice in my Bionicle content. It it may indeed have an excess of personality. Some of the characters had so much personality it was insufferable. I think I can picture exactly what that would mean. Uh, <laughs> Just really annoying Toa. <laughs> yes! Windfly! Great. Lewa speaks in the weirdest fucking way. It's like, he doesn't say anything weird in this, but in that he is very strange. But, but yeah, and that was like trying to have character arcs and stuff. I maintain that Bionicle is just absolutely begging for like a proper like, well-done kids animated show in the vein of, like, the Clone Wars thing that Star Wars got, but, um, they shouldn't base it on this run. They should have the Borok show up, but they should do, just keep the look of the Borok and the thing where they roll up like a roly-poly and roll at you, and the thing where their head juts out, but then you can change anything else. No one cares about the Borok queens. What do you want most? Bionicle the album, Bionicle the complete Nike sneaker collection, or Jonathan Hickman's secret next Marvel project, the fully licensed revival of the Bionicle universe. Okay, that. that. <laughs> I want a Jonathan Hickman Bionicle omnibus. Masks of X. 
the Bionicle and X Men crossover would be amazing. That that's that's now number two on my list of things I want Marvel to like get the rights to randomly so that they can do it. Number one is still um, I've always wanted a Northeast Avengers based on the works of Stephen King. Ha. Huh. Just take a bunch of Stephen King characters and put them in an Avengers team based in Maine. Just be like, Maine is super weird because it is just the Maine from all the Stephen King books. Is this just like Justice League Dark, but the Avengers? Yeah, sure. And like Pennywise the Dancing Clown is there. And Drew Barrymore's character from Firestarter. Okay. That would be amazingly hilarious. Anyway... I think we said everything we really need to say about these, so what am I reading for next week? So, I hope, and I think it should be, but I hope that next week is going to be very refreshing quality-wise. I've subjected you to some shit lately, I'm so sorry. I'm not gonna lie, you have. (laughs) You sure have. (laughs) But... Next week is our last episode of September, which means it's the last thing we get to cover before we're entirely spooky for a month. And before we get sidetracked of Halloween, I want to make sure to return to the world of Shakespearean drama, which means that we are going to be reading volume two of Iacono's Requiem of the Rose King. Spoiler alert, it slaps. The whole manga's good. I think it'll be a nice breath of fresh air after this. I virtually guarantee that you will love it. Okay, good. I wasn't expecting these to be so bad. I'm like, they've got a six-issue arc. They can spend some time developing the characters' personalities. (laughs) No, the sure fuck they can't. But yeah, that's your homework assignment for next week. Um, Do some more Shakespearean drama reading and... Yeah, and then after that, we'll be getting spooky and Halloween-y. But for now, thank you for listening, and go see what Bionicle goods you can find on eBay. Go. Buy Bionicles. Buy them all. Each set sold separately. Bye.